Damn it, Nick. I love being on here with you guys, Nick and Joe. I really appreciate it. TLDR, you guys are awesome. So I don't I don't have to wear clothes. I can just take this off. You whatever. I kid. I kid. You know, it wouldn't be the first podcast I was on today where someone was shirtless. Wow. Probably well, won't be the last. <laughs> Joe, tell the people who we're talking to today, because this is the only person that I know that, that can tell you to eat a bag of dicks and actually hand you a bag of dicks <laughs> after saying that. Well, today we're talking with Krista Faust. I'm very excited because I've read a lot of her books, especially through AWA and most recently read Peepland um, on the show. Krista, welcome to TLDR. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate you guys. Uh and my wingman yeah <laughs> well you know it was it was funny too because i think i think it was axel alonzo when we had him on you know he was talking about all the different books at awa and he's like you've got to read bad mother it's taken but with a soccer mom and i said all right i'm in and i read it and and i was hooked and then from there you know have read you know uh, redemption uh hit me uh and even though it's not with, with awa it, it it's peepland but Reading your books, you know, especially with Hit Me, you had a very honest and open letter, you know, at the end of it, sort of talking about your your, your journey to writing that book. And so you've had a, a very unique path getting into, you know, prior to, I should say, writing comic books. You've uh, uh, you've worked at Pete Booths. You've been a, a dominatrix and a fetish model. At, at what point did you decide to go from that wild world uh, into the world of writing and especially writing comic books? Well, I mean, for one thing, I've been writing ever since I was a little kid. It's just kind of like a byproduct of my existence. Like stories just fall out and I'm still blown away by the fact that people are willing to pay me to do what I was going to do anyway. But, you know, people will pay me to slap them too. And I was going to do that anyway. So, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like um, the type of sex work that I did as a pro dom and even to a lesser degree in the peep boots is very much like creating a comic book or working on a franchise character in that you are collaborate. It's a collaborative storytelling experience. And so when you are hired by a client to enact, you know, for example, one of my very first pro sessions was a guy who had a superhero villain fetish you know, and uh, wanted me to wear like a costume that he made, bless him, you know, a little super costume and, you know, tie him up and, you know, get his secret of his superpowers <laughs> out of him by torture, We're using all these little implements and so forth. But it was, it was his world. It was his scenario. It was his story. But we were collaborating together in creating this experience during the session. So you talked about you're just writing is just a natural, you know, part of, of who you are and something you've been doing uh, since you were little. What made you specifically then just go from, say, writing prose, which I've, I, you know, through hard case crime, you've got a couple of, uh, you know, prose type stories over there, but specifically getting into comics. Well, it, I kind of fell into it like accidentally. You know, it was not an, an intentional move on my part. I just, I like to stay open-minded in terms of ways that I can use my natural storytelling 
in a new in a new format. And so, you know, I had this story, Peepland, which was very personal, very autobiographical, way more so than Hit Me. Uh, that story is really about about me and about coming of age in the 80s in Hell's Kitchen, the Times Square. And, you know, it's all every character in there is based on someone who who I really knew or interacted with. And there's all kinds of little Easter eggs in there for old vintage New Yorkers who grew up around the same time that I did. And so I had this concept for this uh, for this story, Peepland. And because of the fact that it was set in a world that is so far removed from the Times Square of today, I felt like it really needed a visual component because you needed to be able to see it. You needed to be able to be immersed in it. It wasn't enough for me to just describe with words. I wanted to be able to also show. And so I started kind of bouncing back and forth with my pal, Gary Phillips, who you know is an LA based author, but we're of a similar age and uh, have a lot of the same memories and stuff of that time period. And so, you know, he had already had some experience in writing comics. And so it was just a no brainer for us to team up, you know, he was like the, the wily veteran and I was the mouthy rookie, you know, and we had like a buddy cop film of a comic and I feel like it came out the better for having the both of us have input. I want to know who in your life was Dirty Dicky. Holy smokes. <laughs> That's a real guy. You actually yeah. want to know, Google Ugly George. Ugly George. Ugly George. Ugly George was a real guy and he really wore that banana hammock the silver outfit with the speedo type of thing and with that giant rig that was on his back and what he would do he was an early he was on uh public access tv which for you young kids oh. you know <laughs> back in olden dinosaur times there used to be uh public access tv channels which any person who could gather up enough money to pay the fee could have a public access show. And the guy right behind you is Al Goldstein, who was another one of those guys. And of course, I mean, I, I, it's a Ramona Clough of Al Goldstein. The real Al Goldstein was the editor of Screw Magazine. And he had a show called Midnight Blue that also ran on public access. But Ugly George, his gimmick, and he was one of the first guys who did this, was he had this giant rig on his back and he would go around asking women to flash their tits you know in like real life scenarios like on the street and stuff and this was in the 80s so there was no cell phone there was no sending nudes that that wasn't right. in the vernacular it wasn't a part of our culture but he was kind of like the the pioneer in that girls gone wild type of mentality and we used to see him every day when i was a kid i would sit there he was with his ridiculous get up his silver <laughs> outfit that he would wear and you would just, he would be walking up by the New York Times building or just, you know, around by Beefsteak Charlie's and be, oh, look, there's Ugly George. So <laughs> that's Dirty Dick. There you go. Uh -huh. Well, I can't, I'm, I'm seeing a picture right now and it, it's weird. It looks like he has a lav mic attached to his his dick. I don't know if I'm, maybe it's just the old picture, but either way. <laughs> it, it could just be an old picture, but he, yeah, he had this incredibly elaborate sort of rig that he would wear. You know, with a big yeah. mic and all yep, that. Yep, he's got the open chest shirt going and everything. That's yeah. Him. Yeah, That's that him. is um 
That is sure something. And here I was trying to figure out who that person was you were bringing up before with the superhero costumes. I was thinking it might have been the costume designer for the original Captain America. Now I can't stop thinking about uh, <laughs> no, George. No, no, no. That was just a very, very benign sort of Walter Mitty kind of guy. You want to know his secret? I'll tell you the secret. Okay, so his secret to his superpower, sensual energy. Oh, my. Oh. Now, you know that's the real secret because it's so lame. <laughs> if I was going to make up a, a story, I would make something up that was cooler or more exciting. But sure. yeah, the, I, the supervillain, tortured him until he admitted that the basis of his superpower was sensual energy. Wow. <laughs> so. That's uh, pretty anticlimactic. Um, <laughs> really, really lame. But it was still a fun session. I mean, you know, I had a good time. That's good. Um, so, uh, you know, we talk about all this, you know, like kind of risque stuff and obviously you're doing a great job with it with whether it's Peepland or now, you know, hit me, which Joe and I absolutely loved. Um, I'm curious though, every time we talk to a writer or an artist and they are doing anything that seems slightly controversial. I mean, we talked to Axel about it way back. Um, I think it was last year, just kind of reflecting on his time on preacher and what he dealt with back in the day, much different period. Now I'm curious with you, do you like with editors specifically, was that a, a bit of a hurdle for you to overcome given the stories that you wanted to tell? Well, no, because Axel was just like, he loved the idea. He loved the story that it was based on, you know, he was on board from day one. So I never had a battle with him. I guess but, before that, and even before Charles R. Die, too, over at a hard case crime. Well, even working with, with Charles, there were some little aspects that were like, mm, let's maybe dial that just a little down, you know, or have a little less. Okay. But, but overall, no, everything was very much, you know, exactly as is. You know, we were just, yeah. the hard case crime line is specifically trying to evoke an earlier era. You know, mm. so you kind of want to stay within that flavor. You don't want to go too, you know, Grand Gagnol or too hardcore. You kind of want that like hard R. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, that that does make sense. And also, too, I don't think we mentioned it before, Joe, but Hit Me, the, the hit series from Christopher from AWA, uh, the trade for that hits shelves on September 14th. The FOC for that is August 22nd. So this is dropping on Wednesday. It's that upcoming Monday for you guys. If you're listening to this as this episode drops, make sure you let your local comic shop know that you want to order this. You want this book. And if you weren't reading it for the single issues, you're definitely going to want to pick this up. And even then you still may want the trade for your shelves. Lord knows I do. Um, now we talk about the editors, right? I also wonder when you're writing something so risque, with with readers now obviously joe and i we love it and they're your your readers your loyal readers are going to love this stuff it's awesome stuff it's well written the art is fantastic we're going to get to that too but i'm curious you know are there other people out there who are seeing this and like kind of cr criticizing you finger wagging you for the top discussing these topics well here's the thing people have a double standard when oh, yeah. it comes to what they're willing to look at and as long as you stay, I mean, not to like wax all feminist and shit, but as long as you cater to the male gaze enough, it's good. So, mm. you know, sexy girl tied up squirming and then the hero saves her, good. Sexy girl in her head loving what she's going through and telling you about what she's experiencing, not so good. Because part of what was so phenomenal about Priscilla Petraides, what she brought to the table that really put this over the top for me in terms of 
selling me on doing this project. She has that, that female eye. So when she presents something visually, she puts you in the character's head rather than observing her with your dick in your hand. You know, she, <laughs> she makes you feel what the character is experiencing yep. in little tiny visual ways. And the example that I always point to is when Lulu is in the, in the body suspension and the hook suspension. Oh, yeah. Right. That's an, that's an intense sequence. Yeah, right. At least. Yeah. But, but there's a one little shot where you can see she's curling her toes, curling her toes, which is such a tiny detail, but that, that pleasurable involuntary reflex of this is so good that my toes are curling from pleasure. That's a detail that I don't think a male artist would get. I think that just lets you know that, you know, this is about a woman's experience and you, the reader, are her. You know, you huh. are, because of the, the running dialogue and because of the inner monologue that she, you know, is doing, you are pulled into her world. So you experience what she experiences. You're yeah. not looking at it as a dispassionate outsider. You're mm -hmm. in her head. You know, that whole opening sequence where she's in the shower, you know, she's doing like the hero, you know, <laughs> like post action scene shower, you know, but the action scene was a BDSM scene. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking at her like, I'm cute. Oh, I'm soapy. I'm in the shower. I'm sexy. She's like, fuck, that was a lot. Yeah. You know, and you feel what she's feeling instead yeah. of observing her body. Yeah. yeah. I mean, her the the, the art in, in that series, I, I talked about it when I when I reviewed the, the finale there was and, and I talk about this all the time, you know, with, with art, especially in comic books, is that like, you know, you have the writer who who's telling the story and you have the narration that kind of guides you along in the dialogue. And, and so you, you're pulled in that way. But when when you have a really great artist, they're able to really pull you in and and really sort of get you sort of immersed into the scene. And that's and that's how I felt while reading this series, you know, uh, whether it made me uncomfortable or not, like. And, and it did at certain points and mm -hmm. and but it was there was something like you were talking about there was little details even even nick picked up a lot of you know the little details just the way you know especially uh was it lesco that was the colorist you know lesco's the you bring yeah. up the shower scene lesco's bruising stuck with me the entire series like i was blown yep. away by how good that was yeah yeah like yeah. you really, really did feel it part of this world and 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 the lulu the character brings you in and that's through both your you know your your writing as well as you know priscilla's and marco's are it's just it's absolutely fantastic thanks where'd you want to go joe i, I have no know. idea i don't okay. know <laughs> okay all right let's, let's, oh let's... i know what i was gonna go sorry 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 gonna... yep uh, okay. Drop this up and because. Do you I know. make you nervous, boys? I'm so <laughs> this is yes, sorry, yes, yes Krista, lean into that, please, for the love of God. I'm not cutting shit, Joe, because now this is happening. I was waiting for him to, for this to happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the fun. The funny thing was is that when I was doing the intro, talking about the BDSM and the dominatrix stuff, I was gonna. What I was gonna say was, and this was almost the same intro for Scott Snyder or Chip Zdarsky, but I. <laughs> 
But what I wanted to ask next was, so, you know, getting into writing and especially, you know, comics, how was it that you, you came, you know, to, you know, hard case, you know, um, hard case crime and, and what sort of made that a fit as well as, you know, AWA, uh, because they're, they're both very similar about, you know, sort of pushing the boundaries a little bit and telling stories that you're not going to find typically elsewhere. Well, it, it, I mean, a lot of my professional career, people hate when I say this because a lot of people who want to hear a writer speak or, you know, they want to know, like, how can I replicate your success? And I'm not going to lie, 90% of my success is just dumb fucking luck. You know, it just, it's a coincidence, a series of coincidences. With hard case crime, I am a big fan of a pulp, mid-century pulp author called Richard Prather who had a series about a private dick called Shell Scott. That's very tongue in cheek, it's funny, it's it's irreverent, it's kind of, you know, it, the later books really get like almost over the top absurd, but they're really fun to read, they're like potato chips. I'm a big fan. But Hard Case was reissuing one of Prather's earlier, more serious standalone novels. And, uh, and I was really excited about it because he's an author that I love. And so I wrote an article about, oh my God, isn't this so fantastic? I love Richard Prather, new book is coming. And, uh, and Art I responded to that post and said, hey, you know, I'd love to see something from you. So I said, sure, yeah, hold on a second. <laughs> that first hard case crime novel, Money Shot, I wrote that in six weeks. Oh, wow. It was just wow. like, bang, just get it done, write it, put it out. And, you know, because I thought like, I was actually invited to submit and I don't have anything. I better, you know. <laughs> yeah, I better, I better do something. Yeah. I better woman up and, you know, like, <laughs> like put my money where my mouth is. And so there I was. And so I did. And, uh, and he loved it and he bought it right away. So again, just, like a weird combination of, of luck. But what I always tell young writers, and this applies to artists, musicians, anybody who's like a content creator, is that you can't make opportunity happen, but you can be ready for it when it does. So the metaphor I always use is if you're a fighter, right? If you're a fighter, you're gonna skip rope a lot, right? But skipping rope has nothing to do with being in the ring. Yet, the more you do it, the fitter you get, you know, you yeah. work on your footwork, you know, you work the bag, you, you practice combos, you make yourself ready. So when you finally get a fight, when you get that call, you know, then you can say, yes, I'll take it. And you get in there and your skills are sharp. You have the chops. So if you're feeling like you're not getting anywhere as a, as a writer slash artist slash whatever, just keep working on those chops and just when that door opens, be ready with that right cross to just knock out whoever's on the other side. So then what led uh, from the transition from hard case crime to AWA? And was, was it uh, Axel that approached you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. I mean, he, he was a fan of what I was doing at hard case and, you know, he and I had like ships in the night many times, you know, where we just, we kept like, drifting and i would pitch something and i i knew him when he was at marvel 
and when I, that was when I did my Silver Sable one-off. And, uh, you know, so we, we were, we just, we kept missing. We kept not connecting. We kept somehow, you know, we want to do something together, but force is just never the, the, you know, stars in the line. So, you know, we just kept saying, well, let's, let's revisit this next year. Let's revisit this next year. And lo and behold, he founded AWA and he's like, Hey, by the way, you know, how about you work for me? And I said, twist my fucking arm. <laughs> so you just you just mentioned that you had done a, a one-off of silver sable uh at marvel uh you know a lot of your books whether it's peepland hit me redemption you know bad mother they all revolve around extremely badass women right of your creation whether they're a part of you or part of experiences from your life is there is there a character from say marvel or dc you know a female character that you know, you would you would love to sort of tackle and, and get your mitts on and maybe you darken them up a little bit or or, or, or tell a, a, a gritty story with them? I really like characters like Silver Sable or, you know, along those lines, characters who or even Batman, as an example, who aren't super like right. they don't have any powers. They just they have to do whatever they have to do using their skills. And that's what I loved about Bad Mother. You know, because she's not a ninja, she's not a sniper, she doesn't have any military history, she's just a mom. Yeah. You know, but, you know, if you can plan a birthday party for a dozen eight-year-olds who all have different, you know, food allergies and, yeah. you know, <laughs> like if you, if you can manage that, if you can manage soccer camp and, you know, all this other like invisible domestic labor that is done behind the scenes all day, every day, then, you know, can't you put that to work? And as a reader, that's my favorite type of story, you know, because I love a story where, like, Prey is a great example, the new Predator film. Oh, fantastic. Where you have a person who, they're not unskilled, but they're, you know, they're punching above their weight class. They're up yeah. against something much stronger than they are. And I'm less interested in characters like Superman who are just super, you know, who just have like, you know, there's nobody can beat them. So there's no real odds. And you, you know, they're not going to die because, well, I mean, <laughs> of course, you know, anything can happen, but generally speaking, you, you're not worried that they're going to lose, you know, right. but for me, a story where you're really worried that somebody is going to lose, you know, that A, there's huge stakes and B, you know, they're doing something that has massive consequences and is way harder than anything they've ever tried in your life. Those type of stories really appeal to me more than the type of stories of like, you know, let's just gun down a zillion people or let's just fly through the air and throw people through buildings. But that's just me. You know what I'm realizing, Joe, as she's as she's breaking this all down, we missed uh, we missed out on this one. We have these, uh, Chris. Do you remember when they were developing the third season of the Harley Quinn show, and Warner Brothers came out and said that heroes uh, don't do that about a certain act that Batman was going to perform on Catwoman? Did you hear about this? I, I I'm afraid I missed this controversy. You did. Uh. Oh <laughs> well, there's a certain act that a man. Oh, you know what? I, yeah. Well, there's whatever. It's, I'll, Batman I'll was. Hey, Batman. listen, I. Keep in mind, I, along with the amazing Gary Phillips, and could not have done it without him, I did write the novelization of The Killing Joke. 
So mm-hmm. I yes. know. Well, it's so, just a certain act that that he they wanted to have him perform on the show, and they told the writers, "Heroes don't do that." And pegging? We, was it pegging? No, no, no cunnilingus. Damn! <laughs> Shit. I was, you know, right well, there. But that means that hasn't been spoken for yet, so I could pitch that. That'll be my you next. Could. Uh, that'll be yeah, my you next could. <laughs> yes. Well, we made heroes don't do that shirts for that because apparently that's what what they believe over there. I've yeah, it got pulled before. so goddamn fast. Yeah, but uh, but along these all these lines. Oh, sorry, Joe. What did you want to say? Oh, well, I was gonna say a character that I think I would love to see Krista write is uh, Electra. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. I think oh, I, yeah. no I powers, sure. badass woman. Yeah. I, she's she. Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. That's a great call. Yeah, that would be, be fun. Great call. Yeah, yeah we'll, pitch awesome. we'll pitch that. We'll pitch that. So, but as we talk about all this different stuff, you know, with with hit me. I couldn't, I can't help but wonder, given your life experience, like for Joe and I, some of the stuff we said, we talk about the hooks thing and it's just like, you know, it, 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 I, Joe texted me, he read it before I did. And he was like, he was a little rattled and I was too. Once I looked at it, it's like, holy shit. Uh, this is something else. Um, I'm not fucking around here. No, no, apparently. Well, you were, but yeah, I but I'm curious. Like, so you, you talked before though, about how you had to dial some things back when it was hard case crime for people in like on a scale of like one to 10, like one being um, like sensualness being your superpower and 10 being like absolutely banana land. Where would you say hit me falls on your barometer in terms of the sexual things that go on in the story? Uh, you mean for me personally in my life or um, mean... for a story that you could tell I is what I mean. Yeah. I mean, we're both, I, I guess. All but I don't I don't believe that any topic is off limits. I believe that the way you handle it is what matters. And so in other words, I there are things that I would not do personally, but that does not mean that I would not write about them and that Mm. other people shouldn't write about them. However, the key thing that you have to think about when you are bringing out the big guns is voice and perspective. Mm. Right. So because this story hit me is her internal monologue, it's her experience, you know, and it's coming from someone like me who has spent a lot of years and been in a lot of really intimate relationships with women like Lulu. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a way to tell that story that is authentic and true and isn't prurient or viewing from the outside, you know? So my, my perspective is that there is no taboo. Mm. There is only a cautious thoughtfulness about who's telling the story and what, what are you telling the audience about what's happening? Mm -hmm. You know, are you valorizing something? Are you making it negative? All those factors. There, there is no line. Every single case is case by case, in my opinion. Right. No, but I mean, like as Joe and I are reading that again, like as much as we had certain moments where it's like, whoa, this is this is a bit much for us. We're still interested. And it's an absolute page turner. I guess I'm more curious because again, you talk about like pushback that you might be able to get, and I'm in your, I'm sure, conscious of some to some extent, like. Okay, you know, you know, I'm talking to Nick and Joe, and they're fine. They want me to push the boundaries as far as I can. But the average reader that I deal with, that I'm trying to reach out to, like, how far can I push these limits? How far can I have my writer, my artist, go as as I'm yeah. uh, writing this too? Well, and I mean, the other thing is that this is not a BDSM manual. 
This is mm -hmm. not a memoir of someone's mm -hmm. exploration of masochism. This, this is a crime story. Right. And yeah. I don't ever want to pull the story over by the side of the road and like, look at how gross this is. You right. know, like that, it, it all has to be in service to the narrative. 100%. You know, and if you, I mention uh, author by the name of Heather Levy, who wrote this it's her incredible debut novels, Walking Through Needles. And it's a, you know, POV of a really, really hard masochist, a woman who has an intense relationship with pain. And, you know, her in her novel, she's able to dig deeper into that kind of stuff because it's a full length novel. It's not, you know, a 20 page comic. I don't have a lot of wiggle room because I got to get on with the story. I can't, you know, do a TED talk in the middle of a crime story. Right. You know, I got to get, I got to get to the, get to the shooting as quickly as possible. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, as we're, we're asking you all these questions about this, like this stuff that's like so novel to Joe and I, yeah. It like, as we read it, it yes, those are the things that kind of jump out to us right away. But part of the, like, no, the story itself is awesome. And then Lulu, I mean, for me, like actually for both of us, like the character, like if you're a great character writer, Joe and I are going to be hooked. Absolutely. And Lulu is absolutely outstanding. And that kind of is what, like you said, what makes every detail that, that she's going through and all the different kinks that people have that she's like talking about and, and experiencing too, it makes it that much more impactful. And that's why when you were talking before about the hooks that, like you said, the, the, the little toe curling, I was like, I, you know, it's funny. I saw it. And at first I was uncomfortable, but then it's like, Lulu's fine. Like she's doing, oh, she's, she's doing okay. fine. She's loving it. Yeah. Well, she's yes. fine. She is getting her rocks off, <laughs> you know, and that's the controversial part there because mm. female pleasure is, I hate to say in this year, you know, 2022, that we are still in a world where women demanding satisfaction and expressing pleasure that isn't related to men Mm -hmm. is kind of shocking and taboo yeah it's a shame i mean i just learned recently about more about the female gaze for my for my fiance and i had like there's just some stuff i was like showing me like hand stuff and i was like wait a minute they what what are you talking about so yeah i still we joe and i both still have lots to learn but hit me does help a little bit um but <laughs> you, you said that with the hook stuff I, I like you kind of like said already like you know people that experience all these things and that's why you feel like you can talk about all this different stuff even if you haven't necessarily experienced it the hook shit though like you know yeah. people who've real wow. absolutely i mean google is your friend it's it's it was actually I do it was have a little bit so. more <laughs> there was more of it going on in the 90s people were kind of discovering those okay. type of rituals for the first time in the 90s and there was a lot of that sort of industrial like stage performances, you know, where people would do these hook suspensions. And so, I mean, and that's, that's just one thing out of many, you know, mm -hmm. and there are other things, things that were much more intense for me when I was working as a pro were, you know, when you get into some of the really, really heavy psychological stuff that, that to me, because, you know, I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of, I've done medical stuff. I've done, you know, branding, cutting, all kinds of stuff involving a sort of a dispassionate gaze where you're, you know, you're almost like a surgeon, you know, mm. and those things never bothered me, but it is, it is very 
challenging oh. as a dom to allow yourself to go places that are really dark psychologically, you know, and it can take, people always talk about aftercare. You know, they talk about how when you do a scene, you know, and you're causing a lot of pain and intensity with your captive or your sub, uh, you need, as a dom, it's your job to perform aftercare, which is where you, you take them to this incredible place, but then you have to bring them back. You can't just abandon them there. You know, you have to help them kind of come back down to earth and, you know, different people have different desires or needs for aftercare. But what often gets overlooked is aftercare for doms, you know, because there have been times where, you know, people have asked me to do stuff that is really, really fucking dark. And I kind of need a minute to get that like, oh, okay, well, now I got to put zip up, put that back in my pants and zip it up. And now I'm like, oh, wow, that was, uh, that was intense. So when you were writing Hit Me, and and coming up with your you know your original script and your original story for Lulu, when you got together with Priscilla and Marco and and seeing some of their their concept art and some of their line art for the first time, did their art uh, change the way that you wrote the story or change the way you wrote some of the characters as you're progressing through? Because it was Not so really. okay. I mean, I I I mean, I feel like you know Priscilla she she really just got it right away like i didn't need to hold her hand or explain things to her huh. she just we were like twinsies right away so did know? that allow and, you to, to to then maybe just say okay i'm gonna you know did not hold back i guess oh with, yeah with absolutely i mean i did have to share uh some photo references with her huh. you know as far as implements and you know various things because i didn't want that's the stuff I didn't want to get wrong. So then with Lulu, the story, you know, we, we, we get a definitive ending. And, you know, I I thought it was very fitting. Uh, are we going to get more with Lulu? Are there any plans to, to do a second volume of Hit Me? As of now, no. Uh, I'm totally willing and ready and able. Uh, I would be happy to do more Lulu. I would be happy to do more Redemption. I'd be happy to write more Bad Mother. But... I also would love to tackle something new. We do have some bad mother and redemption questions that we wanted to run by you. Um, but I, one thing I wanted to circle back on when it comes to the art, you've worked with Marco Lesko quite a bit. Um, and I'm, yeah, and I'm curious what what um, like, what made you just what? How did that come to be, and why do you keep turning back to him? I, honestly, I don't have control over that. Okay. You know, I I just work with who I'm set up with. It's kind of like speed dating. You know, you just, you sit down and here's your artist and here's your colorist. Go. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause you worked with Marco and peep land and, and again with hit me. And I think I was saying this on our show. It was either last week, Nick, or, or the week before, but man, when it, when it comes to colorists, I, he's just sort of jumped right to the top for me because whatever story he's writing, like a, a chariot, for example, right. was these bright neon Miami vice colors, but when he's tackled the colors on both of your books, he's really sort of captured, like he captured that dark, dingy, you know, 1980s, you know, New York City, you know, underbelly, like yep. so perfectly. And then with Hit Me Again, there was a there was a, a bit of a darkness to it. But then there was also like 
like you know again we keep referencing but that 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 scene in the fourth issue with the hooks it was also very bright mm-hmm. right very yeah. white very sterile and sterile and he nailed it and that's sort of see, why i asked that was intentional because that character mm. of low that is a character who is very much in that sort of surgeon like mindset where yeah. everything is bright white sterile that's mm. their jam yeah. so i I wanted to be able to show the difference between a dungeon like the one that uh, that Danny and Lulu escape to, you know, when they're on the run, right. as being this kind of grungy, like black and red, like I've been in a million spaces like that before, <laughs> you know, with like hooks on everything, or uh, you know, eye bolts on everything, and you know, kind of dusty with lots of skulls. So that was one flavor that I wanted to give, but then I also wanted to give this other style of yeah. of bdsm which is very medical in nature mm-hmm. and very aesthetically uh barren well you yeah. he, you guys crushed it i mean that, that, that it's an awesome series and for those you know for anybody who hasn't read it and is trade waiting i mean you shouldn't do that but like definitely go pick this one up um it's awesome stuff and, and as we kind of look towards some of the other work that you've done for awa because joe and i did want to touch on a few of those before we talk that any bad mother or redemption though i'm curious you have lulu you have april waters and then you have cat the butcher tanner one of those is a little bit harder to maybe go and work on again i know you said you'd love to work with all three of those characters again but krista if i was to tell you you could only work on one more one of those characters uh again moving forward which of the three that you created would you pick well, here's the thing. I mean, I the world of redemption, mm. whether it's a prequel, whether it's further adventures with Rose, you know, there are more stories in that world. Whether or not they involve the butcher, that's another question. But I I don't know necessarily why, but that character really I think is my favorite. So, because there just aren't enough like her. Right. Butcher. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was awesome. She's awesome. I mean, oh, she's, no, they're all, but they're all great. Yeah. I just still. Okay. So you know, with you know, with with Bad Mother, Peepland, you know, hit me. You know, those are definitely more you know, crime noir type stories. So with Redemption, which is is one of my favorite AWA books. Period. What made you want to dip into writing a western? Well, I've I've never done it, and I love. I like virgin territory. Let's just say that, you know, I'm always happy to try, you know, and it's funny because my inspiration for that, in addition to, you know, a lot of the spaghetti Westerns and, you know, like Unforgiven and stuff like that. I mean, that's neither here nor there, but the Rover was a big influence on me. The Australian film, the Rover with Guy Pierce. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is ostensibly, it's i mean it doesn't look like a western but but it is but it is and it's it's i just i love the shittiness of everything in that film where you know it's not full-on mad max it's just everything kind of sucks yeah you know and i and i and i i can't recommend that film highly enough the rover it's just it's one of my all-time faves and so so i took inspiration from from multiple places but but again my my sort of raison d'etre as a writer the whole point of who i am and the types of stories that i want to tell is i love the idea of writing about older women 
you know, now that's not the case with Lulu, but I'm very interested in what happens to, to women after they fall off the hotness map, you know, uh -huh. after they're no longer, you know, it's their last fuckable day. They've passed their <laughs> last fuckable day, but they live, you know, a whole nother 40 years. So what happens during those 40 years? That's fascinating to me. And I love the idea of a woman who is grizzled and hard boiled and yeah. an outlaw, you know, because you just, women aren't allowed to be grizzled. You know, right. a woman that's grizzled is like a wicked witch. You know, she's right. never the hero or the anti-hero. Mm. She's so, awesome. So I, th I believe Mike Diodato was the artist yes. um, on yes. that book. And so one of the things I, I like about uh, Mike's art is that, you know, in a lot of his books, you know, a lot of his characters are, are modeled after sort of real life people. And the first thing, the first thing that stuck out to me uh, from Redemption is that uh, the butcher looks just like Linda Hamilton. Was that a direction from you? Or was that like you sort of describing the character, Mike going, aha, I'm going to go. With yeah, this. I had a couple of different suggestions, you know, but but I, that was one of them. You know, but he likes that. He likes to take a, a, yeah. a sort of a face, a famous face. I mean, I I, I remember the, the cop in Bad Mother is like I described him as being like Stellan Skarsgård. If you yeah. were the slightly annoyed principal yeah. Yeah. of a high school movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when i was reading it i was like holy, holy shit it's it's free it's free it's yeah. 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 so so yeah i mean little, little things like that are fun i i like little details like that speaking of bad mother i mean obviously this thing is vicious in its own right um and i'm in for everybody who doesn't know redemption available in trade form bad mother available in trade form and these two things are outstanding books that joe has talked about on this show way back um i'm curious what was the inspiration for this one i know that you know taken and everything like that with us meets a soccer mom but how did you kind of come up with this idea and, and take down the path that you did well, I mean, again, it was it was a very collaborative experience. And I mean, we worked together as a team to kind of bounce ideas and like, you know, suggest angles or, you know, what about this? Or, what you know, what if we take it in this direction? And so, you know, that was very much a collaborative effort with Axel and and uh, Deodato. Okay. So I, the, the reason I asked too is, I mean, uh, in addition to just liking the story, but one thing that kind of stuck out to me, when you talk about with Hit Me, how there's the female gaze and the, and the pleasures that they experience and trying to get that across um, where it's just not represented well enough. When when we look at Bad Mother, now she goes and turns into this absolute badass, right? Because her daughter and she's a protector and everything. But we also see in these moments where things kind of get messy, she like April knows how to clean up her fucking mess. So I'm curious, like that little detail, was that something that just kind of jumped out to you randomly out of nowhere? Because like that just like stood out to me above, above everything else. Well, I, I am not a mom. I have no children. I don't want any children. None for me. Thanks. I'm driving, you know, like just <laughs> no. And this is already a done deal. I have no uterus. It's not happening. Gosh. I have a dog. That's enough for me. <laughs> but, but, but I know mothers, you know, and I talk to mothers and I have beloved friends who are mothers. And, you know, for me, the idea that the invisibility of women's work, you know, that yeah. women are the project managers of heterosexual relationships. And so they're the ones who keep the schedule. They or they balance all the after school activities. 
you know, they're constantly juggling, 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 juggling. And so they already have, I mean, who knows how to clean up a mess? A mom. I mean, that's what they do, you know? And so I like messy crime way better than like the smooth heist that goes perfectly. Right. I love a fuck up. I love, I love when everything goes to shit. I love mistakes. I love, because to me, that's really what ups the stakes. And that puts you, it makes you sympathize with the characters more than if they're just this cool badass. Yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And smooth, like James Bond, you know, like I could care less. But, <laughs> you know, when somebody is like, shit, 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 oh, fucking, oh my God. And then, but they somehow get it together and they're able, you know, to, like the glass is pushed off the edge and they're able to oh shit catch it before it falls but then meanwhile you got to do this other thing over here that juggling that women do that moms do you know that wives do you know is so instinctual for so many women that that's the skill set that april came to the table with is you know okay there's a problem the summer camp that we have our kid enrolled in has closed and now I only have one week, I have to find another one, boom. Let me get online, let me find. I mean, when she's there and she's looking at household chemicals that can combine yeah. to make poisonous gas, I mean, that's problem solving. That's basic, okay, here's something that I need to solve. Let me put my mom hat on and go, okay, this, 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 and this. That was really at the heart of that character, not so much what is she up against, but right. how does she react to what she's up against? Yeah, the chaos in that book too was yeah. was outstanding. Just because mm -hmm. that's what that's what was. I mean, the story itself was a page turner, but also it's like you knew you knew something was going to fuck up at some point, and then how is the character? You know, how is she going to get out of this? And then when she does, you go, "Oh, fuck yes, yeah, that was awesome." And then and then you keep going on. So. You know, we we've talked about you know all the books you have you know uh, have have already you know published uh, and again uh, FOC for uh, Hit Me Trade I believe is uh, August twenty second. I talked about it. I will not recommend this enough. You got to go out and, and and buy it and read it. But do you have any other projects uh, you know coming up? You know, down the pipeline or a little bit of a break for you? Well, I mean, I have another pitch in the hopper. You know, I don't know where it's going to go or what's going to come of it, but I'm hoping, you know, that it'll be something that I can dig into, you know, and I have a novel that I've been tinkering with, you know, oh. for some time that I'm hoping, you know, I'll be able to get back to. But, you know, beyond that, we'll just have to have to ask Axel. What's next, okay. Daddy-o? Yeah, okay. we will have to ask. So the pitch is a comic then, not a, not a novel? Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, nice. Okay. Now, now we know we also know that AWA is uh, dipping their toes into the movie industry. Uh, any chance we're going to see, you know, Bad Mother or Hit Me or, or Redemption uh, on the bigger small screen? Here's hoping. I mean, you know, they have that that ongoing joke about, you know, did you hear about the starlet who was so stupid that she fucked the writer? <laughs> I mean, thanks, but I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. it's like, we we have no power. We have no yeah. power. And I I mean, yes, there are various machinations afoot. Are any of them going to pay off? I have no idea. I just gotcha. work here. 
So uh, which of uh, like if you were told like okay like Krista you get to choose what do, in versus movie or TV because this is something that Joe and I do talk about quite a bit um, with with any books that we talk about looking at the, the three actually and Peepland but the three W A W A books and Peepland if you yeah. were to designate TV versus film for those three what would, or for those four what, what route would you take Well I I like an ending. You know, I like I like a closed story. You know, so limited series maybe, but movie or just a single story I think would be better. Now with redemption, again, the world is big. Mm. So you could you could yeah. do a longer series where you dig deeper into that world. And I mean, because okay, that's one area of the world, but you know, what's going on in, in Seoul, Korea? What's going on? in australia we don't know you know yeah. so we know that these things have happened that the world has you know collapsed but are there areas that are still higher functioning we don't know so it's the kind of thing that you can open it up to other writers and have people write okay you know redemption sao paulo you know right. or redemption hawaii you know just what's happening in these different right. locations you could go in that direction you could take small characters from the story and spin them off into something else so that one i think maybe series the others i'd like to see beginning middle end like you know like the bear for example which is a it's a it's a, a contained story right but it's broken up into episodes instead of a single movie that i could maybe see but uh but not a long ongoing multiple season type of thing gotcha, gotcha. So last question for me, Krista, because this is this is absolutely fascinating to me. I following you on Twitter is an absolute hoot because uh, we we get treated to 12 inch Mads. Oh, so <laughs> where you have a Mads Mickelson doll that is in often always naked in various positions. What was the origin of 12 inch Mads? Okay, so I did this epic ongoing it started as a twitter thread but then it sort of spun off to its own post which is to catalog every single film in which mads mickelson is tied up <laughs> and you would think oh you know three or four no it's a long ass list let me tell you the man oh, likes geez. to be tied up there are many 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 incidences but while i was you know doing this research I you know, had to endure, God, like 32 episodes of like Danish cop drama, <laughs> you know, with, with Russian subtitles, just to find the one tiny pearl, you know, <laughs> of where he's in a cage, you know, with the collar and cuffs. He was, but it took me a, a while to get there. Uh, and if you want to see the complete, the complete list, you can view that on, on my blog, Christophouse.com. But but so that was kind of just a running joke, you know, it was funny. And then, you know, because he has the audacity to make films in which he's not tied up, how dare he? <laughs> I mean, what about my needs? Come on. Right. So, so I thought, well, let me just make my own, <laughs> you know, and I have a friend who is very into, you know, 12 inch figures and so forth and kit bashing different things together. And so we kind of collabed to make, Mini Mads, so that I would, uh, you know, be able to have him have his own adventures, courtesy of me, the God Director. 
the the best is one of the one of the posts was you had you had gotten a shipment of a bag of tiny little uh dicks to put on uh said 12 inch mats <laughs> yeah it's funny actually that bag of dicks came with the body that i bought so that he could have a naked body and a clothed body and this i was not aware that a bag of dicks would be included so it was kind of like bonus but buy one get one right buy one Bogo. Get 12 <laughs> you know and various sizes you know so you can kind of mix it up you know you want to <laughs> You want to go full Donkey Kong? You can do that. <laughs> you can also have, you know, little, little kind of polite, little sheepish, little, tiny, little, little, little hello. sheepish, sheepish yeah. little hey there. You know, the little uncut, the little meek turtle. There. So you know, there's there's different different options. Gives you options, and I'm a girl who loves options, obviously. Uh, yeah. But so, but I have now. I have this sort of Ziploc, like little druggy size Ziploc bag <laughs> filled with. You know, the, this one six scale penises. <laughs> and I love having a bag of dicks because if I'm ever pissed off at somebody, I can say that they should eat a bad bag of dicks and then actually follow through and go, why? Here's a lovely selection. Why don't you <laughs> help yourself? Take two. They're small. Yeah, this one hooks to the left. You know, you might. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep that on your person if you're not doing that already, for sure. Always do. <laughs> you never know when you might need a bag of dicks. No, no, it's, uh, it's 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 I've got that on a sign in my in my living room. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on a bumper sticker, uh, maybe on a T-shirt, even shit. Um, but yeah, if you now that we've come full full circle on the bag of dicks, um, if you're not already following Krista on Twitter, you can find her at Faust Fatal on Twitter. Um, and the last thing that we always ask people, especially the first time that we have them on, be it writers or artists, Krista, uh, what have you been reading lately? It can be prose, it can be comics, it can be, I don't know, magazines, I guess. I don't fucking know what else, Joe, what else there would be. What am I reading lately? Well, I'm reading the new Blake Crouch novel, which is fun. I, I, I love reading his stuff. Um, and uh, and before that, I just finished kind of a peculiar horror novel that I just bought on impulse. I, for some reason, the, the author's name is escaping me, but it was called Future Skinny. It was very strange. It was a, a, a novel about somebody who can tell the future uh, because of his eating disorder, which is really strange and dark and odd and, hmm. you know, kind of quirky, different for me, you know, but fun. And... Uh, and yeah, watching, you know, I'm I'm completely addicted to Reservation Dogs. I love that show. That's like my yeah, favorite. Watch that. That's my yeah. stories. You know, because <laughs> Vita, which was my previous stories, you know, which is a, a, a show about uh, women in East Los Angeles that was kind of my soap opera that I used to always watch. And, and that's over, sadly, now. So now I'm, I'm waiting for my stories, you know, with with reservation dogs i recently saw like a really quirky little horror movie called await further instructions a british film that was like clearly made for like 10 cents but i there's nothing that makes me happier than like a big a big swing with a small budget i love seeing people just go for it you know sounds like me big like, swing with a small budget <laughs> big swing with a small budget i'm for it and if you have an iPhone and you want to just make a crazy conceptual film, fucking go for it. Cause, cause I, I can't get enough of that shit. 
Uh, I will say, don't go for trying to look that up, Joe, because I just saw a couple images of wait further instructions. You're going to have nightmares if you yeah, look that up. I yeah, know you probably, are. probably. Yes, that is a lot. Um, no, I'm fine. I'm glad I saw it, but I just I need to watch for Joe because he gets a little. If you ever delve into horror stuff, Krista, that could be where you you lose Joe. Sometimes. I'm a pussy. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Anyways, uh, she is Krista Faust. Make sure if you haven't already, you hit up your LCS um, and let them know that you want the Hit Me trade. The FOC for that is August 22nd. It's going to be hitting shelves on September 14th. Krista, hopefully we can check you with again down the line as more projects come up. Thank you for spending some time with us. You bet. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I like Nick's just like, I'm out. All right, we're yeah. done. <laughs>